a little bit, we're looking at the Psalms, uh, selected Psalms this summer. Uh, today we're up to uh, Psalm 32. Uh, we've been reading them in the uh, King James just because it's unique and kind of lyrical and King James was written to, uh, to be read out loud. Uh, and today we're going to look at Psalm 32, which um, I, I know we talked the last couple of weeks about the 23rd Psalm being... Um, uh, you know, uh, the most famous uh, psalm. I, I probably think that Psalm 32 is my favorite um, uh, because uh, it certainly describes uh, a lot about what I think is true about my life and I think the lives of others. Um, one of the things that's probably helpful for you folks to know at the 1030 services, so when you come in here and you see what happens up here, you're, you, it's new to you, it's not new to me. I've already done it once. It's not new to the music team. They've already done it once. Um, and so you should pray for the people that came to the early service today because the preacher realized when he got up here that he had sent the wrong notes to the uh, computer. And so when you have to preach your sermon, like making it up as you go along because you got the wrong notes, God bless them, man. I don't know what they got out of it, but they... <laughs> No one, no one threw anything, so, <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's nothing like preaching about shame and, and realizing midway through your sermon, I'm so ashamed. I can't believe I did this. Anyway, so, um, that's good. The, the Lord um, loves to humble me because he loves me. So, um, just uh, keep that in mind this morning. So, if you talk to people who came to the nine o'clock service and said, "Did you hear Steve talk about this?" and they're like, "Well, no, he didn't." That's because he preached a different sermon at nine o'clock. Okay, Psalm 32. The text is printed in the bulletin and also up uh, up on the screens behind me. This is the Word of God, and we should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Guile means deceit, covering up, faking good. Faking good? Let me say that again. Faking good? In other words, presenting yourself as better than you really are? I just said that because I know know you know people who do that. Uh, None of you. I've ever done that. So uh, some of you actually fake bad, which is also a problem. But for most of us, we fake good. That's that's a bigger problem. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows 
shall be to the wicked. But he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Okay, Liz, let's try this. Put my notes up there. There it is. Awesome. We're on the right page. So, uh, one of the things that I think about, I was, I was thinking about uh, this week as I was looking at this uh, text is that one of the things that is so dramatic about human beings and human behavior is the drive to cover up, the drive to uh, not be honest, the drive to uh, somehow or other cover up uh, what's really true of us and, 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 and cover up sometimes our behavior and, and, and that sort of thing. I was, was thinking this week about uh, in 1974 when the Watergate hearings were going on. Watergate, that was a thing that happened a long time ago where a president uh, got impeached and he resigned. Well, he almost got impeached. Before he got fully impeached, he resigned. But, um, and I remember working outside on the farm uh, that summer listening to the radio and listening to the hearings on that and uh, just hearing how, uh, just how terrible it was. And the fact of the matter is there was a break-in, but the break-in was not what caused Richard Nixon to have to resign. What caused him to have to resign was the fact that he covered it up. He hid it. He lied. And he had other people lie for him because they all needed to cover it up because what would we, they do if it was exposed? Um, there's, there was a movie that came out a couple of years ago about an alcoholic drug addict pilot who uh, uh, saves a large number of people on a plane from a catastrophic uh, crash uh, and a- after the crash, they test his blood, and his blood alcohol level is 0.24. Now, in Virginia, you're considered impaired. You're, you're considered driving under the influence if your blood alcohol is 0.08. So he's three times the limit for driving a car, flying an airplane. Okay? Problematical. Very problematic, right? And so his attorneys come to him and say, listen. If they talk to you about your drinking, this is what you say. Say you don't remember. If they say, did you drink that morning? Say you don't remember. And his response is, hey, listen, you don't have to tell me how to lie about my drinking. I've been doing that for years. If there's anything I'm expert about, it's about lying about who I am. Um, At the end of the movie... He's in prison, and he's sitting in front of a group of inmates, and he says, I'm an alcoholic, but God in his mercy revealed that, and though it may seem insane to you, being a man locked away in prison, for the first time in my life, I am free. Do you want to be free? Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to be content? Do you want to have joy? Well, the pathway to that is the countercultural, counterintuitive means that God gives us to confess our sins to Him. Right? So the cover up is often worse than the crime itself. And so, ever since our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned, 
by eating the adult, uh, the, uh, the, the fruit and by uh, ignoring and uh, <laughs> really rebelling against the very command of God, uh, we have been about hiding our sin, right? So one of the things that they did, we well, remember after they, they ate the fruit, they hear God in the garden and they go and hide themselves and they sow fig leaves uh, to cover their nakedness, right? And so... One of the things that uh, is so profound about that is, is they go and they, 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 they cover themselves and they, and they hide and they sow these fig leaves. Well, you know, there's a problem with fig leaves. They're big and they're green, but if you pick them, they shrivel up. And so you've got to keep replacing them because they don't cover as good anymore, right? <laughs> and so God sees that. And ironically, as we're going to see about this is, one of the things that's so profound about that, we are so concerned to cover our sins, but in fact, the reality is, God covers them for us. So the thing here is, not that the covering of sin is bad. The covering of sin is what we're here for. The covering of sin is what Jesus died to give us. The problem is we seek in our own way, in our own wisdom, and, and for a whole host of reasons to do that cover uh, ourselves, right? So uh, we've run from God. We choose to attempt to hide our guilt, our behavior, our attitudes, and ultimately our shame. And one of the things that, that you see about this is one of the problems with that is as a result of their hiding, as a result of their uh, trying to get away from God and covering themselves up, what happens? Well, not only are they, do they have a, relation, a broken relationship with God, but they end up with a broken relationship with each other, a broken relationship with creation. And, that, and, and because if God had left them alone to be hidden, if he had left them alone behind their fig leaves, the world would be a disaster. There'd be no hope. There'd be no gospel. There'd be no redemption. There'd be hiding. And there would be further descent, spiraling further into the, to the sin and the shame and the brokenness that hiding from God takes us to. So, uh, I think, in my own experience in talking with people, there's probably a lot more than this, but I think there are at least three big reasons for why we cover up our sin, all stemming from one big sin. First, I think, we're afraid. We cover our sin because we're afraid. We're afraid God might reject us. What, what if I say to God, God, you know what? I struggle with coveting. I struggle with envy. I, I struggle with anger. I struggle with bitterness. Uh, I struggle with gossip. I struggle with being overcritical. I struggle with having the energy to, to, to pursue relationships. Whatever your particular thing is, we're afraid that if we say to God, listen, God, I am a sinner. I am broken. I, I have no record to present to you to say that I am deserving in any way. We've, we're afraid he might reject us. When in fact, what this text tells us is, is that the way to get close to God is not to present your great behavior, but the way to get close to God is to say, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I acknowledge that to you. God's heart is overflows in mercy to the person who comes to him and says, this is what I did. This is what's true of me. 
Please forgive me. I acknowledge this, and I see it for what it is. Second, I think uh, many of us uh, maybe aren't afraid, but we're proud. And so what we do in our pride is we justify, right? Or we minimize. So one of the ways we do that is we say, well, you know, I know this is wrong, but I'm not going to talk to God about it because God knows how I was raised. God knows what my parents were like. God knows what my spouse is like. God knows what my boss is like. God knows what my kids are like. God knows what my, my boyfriend is like. God knows what my girlfriend is like. God knows what they, and, and they make me do this. So, or, or we kind of think, you know, uh, if you had the same sorts of experiences I had, then, then you would know that this, while this is a sin and I shouldn't do it, you'd understand. Now, it's one thing to have empathy towards somebody else. It's another thing for me, as I'm sinning, to demand the empathy and say to you, listen, I'm free to do this. I got to, you know, my sin is not that big a deal because of the way I was raised or because of the situation that I find myself in. So, so, so we may be afraid. We may be prideful. We also might be ashamed. And so in Adam and Eve, there's the story, there's an attempt at covering up, and then there's the true covering. So what happens to us is we get ashamed, and what shame is, is, is shame attaches itself, uh, uh, well, guilt and shame, two very similar things. Guilt typically attaches itself to action, to behavior. Shame typically attaches itself to being, right? So... So what happens to us is, I feel guilty because I did this. I feel guilty because I said this. I feel guilty because I thought this. I'm ashamed because I am this. Okay? And so what happens here is, because of that, the shame becomes so powerful to us and attaches itself to us, that what happens is, we, we begin to think, you know what? I can't stand the thoughts of, of standing before God yet again and owning this thing that's true of me. So, so what happens then is it, it tempts us in our pride or in our fear or in our shame to believe that we, that, uh, uh, that I, that we can be loved. And so we'll find it impossible to be in, in, in an th- authentic relationship with anyone. That's what's so great about this psalm is, is that the authenticity of our honest confession before God leads at the end of the song, uh, a psalm to be in a congregation of people singing about the grace and the mercy of God. That's where it ends up taking us. So, so maybe sometimes you come to church and you look around and you're like, you know what, I can't really participate. And the reason why I can't participate is because I'm bro- I have a broken relationship with God and that actually cuts me off from the rest of the fellowship, from the rest of the community, because, because I'm so turned in on myself and I'm so, so concerned about covering up who I am. So I'll find ways to distance myself from others or to protect myself from being truly known. My core belief is that if you really knew me, you wouldn't want to be in a relationship with me, Right? And that's a prime indicator to us that shame is at, is at play in our relationships. Um, and so either you fake good, you fake that you're better, you uh, want to appear, and social media drives a lot of this. Uh, you want to appear better than you are, cooler than you are, smarter than you are, whatever richer than you really are, right? And so, 
This, so this is a prime indicator that shame is at play. However, that's not God's desire for you. God's desire for you is, is that as you, as you come to grips with the fact, the reality of your rebellion and your sin, his desire for you is to say that to him, and he never shames you. He always welcomes you, and in fact, he covers you. Right? So, um, I think these three reasons, shame, pride, uh, and fear, all find their origin in unbelief. All find their origin in unbelief. And, and, and then unbelief is going to manifest itself in different ways. I think one of the ways that it manifests itself is, is that the gospel is so good, so rich, and so free. It is so profound that God could forgive somebody with the weight of sin that I carry around. That God could forgive, forgive a serial blank. Serial luster, serial coveter, serial gossip, serial hater, serial whatever, anxiety-ridden person, right? And so, so what this, what, what, what we recognize here is that, that it, we think it's so impossible to be loved by that, and so it drives us to be like this horse or like this mule who stays away, who does not want to be exposed, who doesn't want to be honest with God about who we really are. So what this psalm tells me is that the pathway to happiness and contentment and joy and blessing is in being covered. We all want to be covered. All of us want to be covered. And, and, and I would say to you, I don't care whether you believe in God or not. I don't care if you're an atheist. I don't care if you're an agnostic. I don't care what you are. When you put your head on the pillow at night and you're alone with your thoughts... I guarantee you, you're seeking a covering. And the covering you're seeking is to deal with the, the way you feel about yourself. And your covering might be, well, they're a jerk, so I don't have to care about that. Or, or that happened, but I've got my reasons for that. Or I'm just a terrible person. And, 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 and whatever your particular thing is, trust me, trust me, every human being is looking for a way to cover their guilt. I, I have conversations regularly with people who say they don't believe, who don't believe there's a God, who and, and say, what is it about that that makes that attractive to you? And, you know, how can you believe that crazy business about the sun standing still and, and the moon standing still? How can you believe that crazy business about, you know, uh, uh, David killing a giant with a stone? How can you believe that crazy business? And my question back to them always is, well, I'll answer those questions when you tell me what you do with your guilt. Now, sometimes those conversations end very poorly. <laughs> I, I'm not quite that direct sometimes. But sometimes I'm more direct than that. What do you do with your guilt? Because you got it. And you've got to find something to do with it. So we all want to be covered, and either you'll seek that cover that is weak and ineffective and isolating, or you will uncover your guilt, acknowledge it, and allow God uh, to cover it in Christ. And so that is the great news that this psalm tells us is, listen, the pathway to, uh, to grace and to peace is acknowledging it. And, and the thing about it is, I think, I really believe that this is such a profound part of our lives, that it that it, it is around us, in us, it is in the very air we, we breathe. And part of the problem with that is, I don't want to appear needy. I don't want to appear broken. I don't want you to see how I really am. 
On Thursday afternoon, I was pulling out of the parking lot. Uh, I was going to run home, pick my wife up. We were going to go to the gym, and we were going to have a nice, quiet dinner together. As I pulled out of the parking lot, um, there's a loud noise in the back of my car, something scraping on the road, uh, very rough ride, sudden smell of grease burning, and I look in my rearview mirror, and my back tires are not at a 45-degree angle from the van, but let's say a 30-degree angle. Uh-oh. So I pull into the little shopping center here next door, and I get out and I look underneath the van, and this, the thing that connects the two rear tires is broken in two. And part of it's laying on the, on the, on the parking lot. So immediately I begin to think about how I'm going to solve this problem and what I'm going to do about this. But as I'm waiting and waiting and waiting for the tow truck to come, I begin to think, I look weak. I look stupid. I look poor. I look like an idiot. Why, why didn't I take care of this? What is wrong with me? You're a terrible person. What, what, you're 56 years old. You're supposed to know better than this. This is so terrible. You know what? You ought to feel ashamed. You're shameful because you can't do any better, right? Now, fortunately, while I'm standing there waiting for my tow truck driver to come, God's good to remind me, wow, it is a great thing that you were driving this when this happened and not somebody else. It's a great thing that you weren't going 60 miles an hour when this happened. It's a great thing that nobody was standing in the driveway of the shopping center when you whipped it in there to get the thing off the road. It's a great thing. Um, Because in that, suddenly I could see the mercy of God. And the mercy of God quieted my shame. And what was even better, well, it wasn't better, but what capped the uh, evening for me is when my tow truck driver arrived and he asked me what I did for a living and I told him I was a pastor. He wanted me to tell him who I thought the Antichrist was. And I said, the guys in Detroit that put my rear axle in this car. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't say that. Uh, Yeah, Antichrist is too good for them. But anyway, um, so so, so, so the fact of the matter is this is something that is around us all the time. That's why David writes this psalm to say to us, listen, listen. Just what, what God desires for you is this openness and awareness. And, and, and the fact is to, to, to just own who you are and the struggle and the reality of your broken relationship with him. And so, in fact, God is so invested in doing that uh, that he's mercifully active in our ministry and in our silence. 
Because the psalmist says, his hand is heavy upon me. He saps my strength. He doesn't let me rest in that. He doesn't let me wander in that. He, is, he, he makes me miserable. He troubles my conscience. He dries me up. He gives me all of these sorts of things. And, 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 and it's all mercy on his behalf to make the world taste bad to me, to make the sin taste bad to me, to make the shame taste bad to me, to make me miserable in that, so that he backs me into a corner, and the only choice I have is to say, you're right, I'm a sinner. I did this. I'm broken. I, I need I, I need you uh, to forgive me. Because what, what David says to us here is God's heavy hand is a merciful hand. It is a merciful hand because he desires for us not to be isolated. He desires for us not to stand apart for him, but to experience fully the joy that he has for us. And he says then, don't be like the horse or the mule that you have to go and put a bridle on them and stick a bit in their mouth and drag them to you. Rather, be quick to come. Be quick to repent. Be quick to acknowledge your sin. Pray while he may be found. Cry out to him and say, Lord, 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 don't allow me to wonder. And so the heavy hand that we experience upon us is actually the mercy and the grace of God to say, acknowledge it, confess it. Now, now one of the things that I think is... Is, is, is so great about this is, and one of the things that I think is so profound about it is, is we, we don't think our sins are that terrible, and then when we do think that they're that terrible, we honestly believe, and I don't know where this comes from, that we can hide them from God, right? Our sins are horrible, often done in secret, even the recesses of our minds, we, we fear discovery. If it becomes known what we've done, what we've thought, who we truly are, we'll be exposed as frauds or hypocrites. So we hide who we are and what we've done. We hide it from others. We hide it even from ourselves, and we lie. We lie. And we fool many, maybe all, but God is not fooled. He cannot be fooled. Uh, we watched uh, a great show on Netflix, and uh, one of the things, there's a family in this show with a, uh, a high school girl, a middle school boy, and a two-year-old. And for weeks, the uh, middle school boy hides an 11-year-old girl in their house, and the parents don't have a clue. They don't have a clue. It's so stupid. I mean, they really are stupid. And, and in fact, at one point in time, the mom and the dad, they look at each other and they say, is it possible that he's hidden a girl in our house all this time? And they're like, no, we're good parents. We know what's going on. Oh, okay, good. Contrary to all evidence that there's blonde hair in your basement, nobody's blonde, and uh, all your ego waffles have disappeared, and uh, yeah. So, so the fact is, we think, you know, God's like that distant parent who's well-intentioned but's really not paying attention. But the fact is, he cannot be fooled. He sees, he hears, he knows who we are, what we've done, and it cannot be covered. We cannot cover ourselves from the penetrating gaze of his all-seeing eye. So what are we going to do? Well... If you want to keep the hand of God heavy upon you, stop right now, go to brunch. 
Gone. Let it be heavy on you. Don't acknowledge it. Be prideful. Be fearful. Be self-justifying. Whatever. Just go on. Let it, you know. And, and let the, the hand get a little heavier and a little heavier and a little heavier. So what are we going to do? Well, there's only one thing really to do, and that's to confess, to come clean, and to cover up our sins no more. David says, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Pray right now while he may be found, right? Next slide. There is a next slide, right? There, in there? Yeah. So an amazing thing happens when we start covering up our own sins and we confess them. What we have uncovered by confessing them, he covers. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. He who sees all things chooses not to see what he has covered. And this is one of the most mysterious and wonderful things about God, is that unlike you or like me, he doesn't see it anymore. He doesn't keep bringing it up. One of the things that's always horrifying to me in, in, in marriage counseling is when a couple comes to me and they, and they will catalog uh, each offense against one another, but which is okay as far as it goes. But it's always troubling when someone says, hey, I confessed that to you, and you said you forgave me. Why do you keep bringing it up? God doesn't keep bringing it up. He covers. He covers. Our works can't justify us. Our efforts at covering up our sins always fail. But God justifies the ungodly. He covers up the things we deserve to have exposed for our shame, ridicule, and expulsion. And he does not do this on a whim. Contrary to what the typical view of God is, he's just not tolerant. God hates sin more than anybody in this room. And the evidence of that... uh, it does not come easy. What's covered on us was exposed in Jesus. You know, you see all those uh, Renaissance paintings of the crucifixion, and Jesus always has some um, uh, some sort of covering on, when in reality he had no covering. He was shamed and naked on a cross. They literally stripped him of his garments, just as he was stripped of all honor, put to death like a murderer, beaten as a rebel, all for you and for me. So, so, you, 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 um, so that you and I could be covered with his righteousness. Um, and so what that does for us today is, when we see the horror of our sin, we confess it, and we see the great love of God to us in Jesus Christ, and we see the penalty he paid, we see his, his, the, sh- the shame that he bore, the exposure that he did for us, we're set free and, 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 and to, to acknowledge what's true of us and to rejoice in the joy of sins forgiven, of shame uh, uh, taken away from us, and brokenness removed. Next slide, Liz. So one of the things that I think, uh, so what are we going to do? You know, so there's only one thing to do, and that's uh, um, to uh, come clean. To come clean. To come clean with God. Uh, 
take my notes down, Liz. Here's one of the things that I want to say to you guys this morning to think about. One way or another, your sin's going to be covered. Either you're going to do it, or Jesus is going to do it. One way or the other, it's going to get covered, right? Um, and, and, and the fact of the matter is, the covering of Jesus is permanent, eternal, liberating, and freeing. And any cover that you give is going to put you further in bondage and remove you further from the fellowship with your Father and the fellowship with one another. Acknowledge your sin to him. Uh, one of the things, um, I had a conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago with my dad, who's 86, and uh, one of the things that he's talked to me about uh, a number of times over the, the years is what he wants to do for his funeral, what he wants to do for my mom's funeral. And um, one of the things one of the things that he wants to do in his funeral is he wants, because he was a veteran, he was a, a Korean War veteran, he wants to have... Uh, the American flag on his casket during the, uh, I guess, when we visit with people and when we do the service. And that's cool. That, I think that's, that's a great thing. But I told him, I said, you know, Dad, that's good that you're going to have the American flag, and I know that it'll mean a lot to either uh, somebody in the family or to Mom uh, to have that when it's all said and done. I said, but, you know, the great news about that flag being there is, is that you're covered by something better. And the thing that you're covered with that's better is the blood of Jesus Christ. And he covers you so that you'll shine forever with him in glory. So what I want us to do now... Um, for those of you who are hardened and your consciences are seared, for those of you who are justifying within your heart and mind, even now, why you are and why you feel and why confession is not for you, for those of you who believe that confessing your sins to God has no power, no way to actually liberate you, and for those of you who are terrified of the judgment of God and are fearful of acknowledging that, we're going to stop what we're doing right now. And we're going to be quiet, if we can, uh, for a minute or two and allow the Spirit of God to ask us the question of what do we need to confess to him. We're going to do that. And then we're going to ask him to give us, uh, through the rest of this worship service, Songs of joy uh, because of the joy of sins forgiven. So let's take a second, just a few minutes to be quiet.
Lord, we, um, we want the blessedness of sins forgiven, of sins acknowledged. And we want uh, the joy and the gladness uh, that we can uh, shout for joy because of what you have done for us. Lord, you surround uh, the broken sinner with grace and with mercy, with the certainty that our sins are covered. You surround us, you cover us, you protect us, you hide us even from the consequences of our sin. And so I pray today that the cross would be precious to us, that it would give us freedom, and that even if we struggle today with a sense of your hand being heavy upon us, that by your Spirit you would give us insight into our need to confess, our need to come clean before you. And I pray you would be gracious to do that. And Lord, I pray today for those who are tempted to believe that confession has no power who are just cold and hard and uh, maybe even content to hide. I pray that you'd make them uncomfortable uh, and that you would draw them out so that they could be covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so today, Lord, we ask you that you would do that work, uh, that you would um, um, expose, bring to light, and give the freedom uh, to confess and to embrace the mercy that is ours in Jesus Christ. So bless us today with that, we pray, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, as the guys come down.